CITR Radio on 101.9 FM, broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam territory and the Point Grey campus of UBC. I am Lua, and I am so happy to be here. We're back with the Art Report, Arts Report, um, every other Wednesday during summer, this time, obviously. And for the time being, I'm doing the show by myself, and this is my first night by completely by myself. I'm very excited, very nervous. I hope I do everything right. <laughs> cool. So here in studio, we have Frank Zoder, and he is the lead actor of this very interesting play mm. called Hosanna. And do you want to tell us a little bit more? Introduce yourself. Sure. Hi. And it's Frank Zoder. Zoder. Right. Zoder. It's okay. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm in Hosanna. I'm, I'm the lead role. I'm the title character in this crazy play um it's it's there's a two-hander and it's basically the worst night in the life of a drag queen is basically the story and um it centers around how and i won't be a, give a spoiler here but it centers around how uh, hosanna's fellow drag queens have kind of staged a mutiny and there's been this big betrayal and it seems as though her partner Quiret is her partner, Quida, has been the ringleader of this. So this four-year relationship kind of gets stuck in the spiral of all of this. And it's the two of us kind of fighting through issues. And while that happens, it's also a chance for Hosanna to really look at herself. And, and, and it's, it's you're getting an up-close glimpse at someone going through a huge identity crisis in the moment. And epiphany after epiphany just happens and this is all between all kinds of barbs and attacks and jabs and swearing and violence and abuse mixed with just an equal amount of lots of love and care and 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 genuine affection too so it's good it, the range of it is pretty huge anyways that's the story of Hosanna <laughs> and that's me and I have to do that every night <laughs> <laughs> That's really crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is um, crazy. It sounds very fun and entertaining in a way. Yeah. But it also does touch on very sensitive topics like identity and mm -hmm. um, aging. Mm -hmm. How does it do, do so in a way that doesn't take away the the validation of trans people? As this is a play that does kind of push and pull on trans identity. Mm-hmm. Transvesticism, transvestitism is is different than transgenderism, and um, based on the research that I've done, transvestites, drag queens, they love the opportunity to act the role of a woman. They see the power in that. They see the glamour in that. They see the romance and the 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 power and. 
transgenderism, I think, kind of, is more towards wanting to become a woman. Um, as far as I see it, you know, Hosanna specifically really enjoys having her male parts. She doesn't want to get rid of those. And, you know, Claude, who is the real person underneath this persona, it really is a celebration of his kind of coming out, ironically. It's almost like if you think about Superman, it's like this is a version of Superman where the story is about Clark Kent coming to terms with himself and really kind of finding Clark's power. So Claude is the man underneath the bravado or the facade of Hosanna and it's his chance or it's the opportunity for him to see himself clearly and come to terms with the fact that Hosanna has been his kind of superpower what he's been putting on placing on layering on that gave him notoriety and status right and he he bought into you know the idea that being a woman gives him the chance to have that kind of notoriety Right, but it's something that he 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 layers on. It's not something that he wants to change from the inside out as well, like to biologically become. So, with that said, um, I think that it's a very safe bet to say that anyone who entertains any kind of cha- trans leanings would watch this with the understanding that my character sees the power and playing and being a woman and wanting to act like a woman but in no way wants to 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 you know change my sex um and because the play really addresses the relationship above all these two men kind of coming to terms with each other and how it i won't i won't give another spoiler but i think that a big message in this play is about you know who and how you love and why you love has less to do with your parts and more to do with your heart. And, and that's the focus of this production. So as these two men come to grips with their new roles and you know, post-betrayal, post-mutiny from these drag queens, post this crisis and this identity crisis, how will we be with each other, right? Without this costume, without this persona in the picture anymore. Think, does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> and is this your first time playing either a drag queen or a woman? There was one. No, there's been two plays. I did school. I went to the National Theatre School and I played um, a, a mother, um, a Victorian mother uh, in Cloud Nine. And then I played a, a, a guy in a show in Edmonton where he become, magically becomes this woman's alter ego in the play. But I didn't have to go through all the makeup. I just had a wig and sunglasses. But this is the first time where all this work is happening. Like the fucking the work that goes into this two hours of makeup, man. Oh my god, women! It's so hard to be beautiful. I know. And then I've got like a makeup person, and and like I I you'd think like I'm a, I'm I am a gay man, and I you'd think I'd have some kind of leanings towards you know. That sort of thing, color coordination, eyes, makeup, that sort of thing. I, I throw in my gay card on that one, that's for sure. <laughs> have you been enjoying this process of becoming Hosanna? I really have. Yeah, yeah, it's very liberating. Kind of scares me. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, there's a possibility. No, I'm just going to joke about the fact that, yeah, maybe 10 years time I could say, well, this is when the transition started. <laughs> but it won't happen. I don't think so. But it's, it's, it's a real great glimpse into... Um, into like really the, the the feminine side of me and 
And that, and the best thing about being an actor really is the fact that you get to kind of look at the world through all these different lenses and, and experience the world in the skin of someone else. And this, this character just has such a specific point of view and a really wild range of emotions and, and she's so smart and she's so she's so feminine and so masculine like a clothe like the just the range that i get to go through in the course of the play is ridiculous to me i think it's really interesting how like this process is something maybe you didn't think about before but really playing with all of this and i think that's kind of maybe the reason that this play might is still relevant today because yep. it was written in the 1970s yeah there's a datedness to it for sure but it's not it doesn't interrupt i think and what is, has been the preparation like besides the nails and the makeup? Has any other type of preparation for this role? Well, this is, I'm a master's student, right? I'm the first first acting MFA here at UBC, so it's cool. I mean, they have directing masters here. And they put the directors come to the department with a proposition to direct a show. So the show gets the green light, and then they produce full-on production with the BFA actors here. That's the way it works. So with an actor that comes in to propose an MFA like I literally I didn't know I, I still to this day don't know what motivated me to go see talk to Stephen Heatley they had the program here but I did and I said how could I get a master's <laughs> I want a master's and uh and then and then he said well let's we'll create an, an acting master's because York University has one that's the only other university that does so why not have a Western Canadian University introduce an acting graduate program so this is kind of a, I'm kind of a guinea pig I'm not sure it'll continue but then with that talk we talked about like what would scare me the most as far as a, 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 an acting beast of a role and it's Hosanna so that's when it the seed was planted and so the preparation then then my question as an actor and I'm a teacher as well um, is like the, the, the heart for any actor the hardest moment is always your first moment into the scene when you kind of go out of reality and into the fiction or the narration or you know, the moment after the act, uh, the director says action when you're filming, right? Like what takes you into the world of imagination the best? And there's so much method out there. There's so much acting training that says they know it best. Like what bridges you into the, you know, fiction? Uh, and I and I I'm, I have my own way of getting into parts, and I've done that for many years. But now with this particular experiment with this show my curiosity around that particular springboard that takes me from the real world into it right into the scene into the moment from off stage on I've been experimenting with all kinds of different techniques to see what lands me the deepest into the role Meisner, Stanislavski, Bogart, um, Uta Hagen so all these these methods I'm using as kind of to contrast and compare to what lands me the deepest into that moment and uh and that's my research and it's cool because it's 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 surprising me and at this time in my life where I've done so much had so much experience um, it's nice to be re-inspired so yeah that was the preparation I've been all that over the course of the past two years has kind of been in fits and starts I've been kind of preparing and rehearsing on my own using applying those questions and doing research around that now that we're doing it now that we're in the formal rehearsals with the other actor and we're in the room it's like I kind of planted all these seeds so the garden is really blooming right now and the show the result of it is like all these surprises that I had subconsciously like wired myself into months ago and now it's just popping do you think this is going to be your best performance 
<laughs> I hope so. I really hope so. We'll see. I mean, if 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 preparation counts, or if excitement, or 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 like uh, my 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 present state has any kind of bearing, I, I hope. I think so. I've done I've done crazy. Like I I've done like six one man shows. And the one was the wildest was this show called Filth by Irvin Welsh. Irvin Welsh wrote Train Spotting. He's just disgusting. His writing is horrible, but like in a good way. <laughs> it's just really dark and <laughs> okay. disturbing. And but he wrote a, a one man show called Filth, and it was filthy. And there is twenty six characters in it. Twenty four played by one me. Twenty four of which were Scottish, and they all had different dialects. And it was a two and a half hour show. And it was a one person show. And I and it was dramatic. Like at the end of it, the lead role he had to kill himself like so it's like all this fully dramatic fully fully challenging as an actor and then all the dexter technical dexterity where i would have to have scenes with all these people speaking scottish <laughs> was full on so now that i've done that i don't know i think that that was probably the hardest or the most challenging this has its own challenges for sure but it's nice that i've got a, a, another actor on stage with me <laughs> Not by the, yourself. Relieves the burden. Although no, the first the first eighty percent of the second act though is just Tozana. It's just me. So I've got like a thirty five page monologue there. But because I've had all those one man shows that it is giving me a bit more confidence to do that and be on my own alone. Yeah. Would you what what would you say is your favorite part of the show? Okay, so we've been rehearsing it. Um there's a lots of favorite parts actually. What the heck? Um how about <laughs> so at this one point I get to show off my dress that I've spent three weeks designing and creating right and I, I treat it as a specimen for one second and then I treat it as this piece of shit in the next section, section and I throw it on the ground and I stomp on it then I pick it up then I cradle it there's this whole kind of section around me and the dress um, and <laughs> if Joey's listening the guy that plays my fellow character I guess I should also say the very end of the play when we're naked <laughs> <laughs> and I get to be Joey gets to hold me in his arms all nude. <laughs> That's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, so I start off in full drag, as was Anna, like full drag, full everything, like it's a huge costume and then it's that, that's what's interesting about it too as the play progresses the layers come off the costume comes off the makeup comes off everything and then everything comes off by the end of it and so that's kind of like also showing that she's removing all those layers and, and that she's exposing a man. her yeah she's exactly. And so she's full on, you know, facade at the beginning and then full on just simply a man. Like he's clothed at the end. Yeah, it's interesting the pronouns we're using in rehearsal too because there's no they going on, but act two we talk, it just automatically we're saying, you know, she should do this, she should do that, she's here. There she. And then as we talk about act two, as Claude kind of reveals, it's interesting because we're just automatically saying, well, he's here and then he's doing this and then he's doing that. It's really interesting. Has a lot of thought been put into all those different pronouns and things no. like that? Or no. No. It's just kind of naturally. No, it's just naturally coming. Yeah. Interesting. And how do you think it's relevant? It, it is a dated play in some aspects. Mm. How do you think it's specifically relevant today? Or why was there a choice to do this play instead of something else? It's mostly the choice was from me because it's such a great acting challenge because of the range, right? Yeah, there's there's a bit of datedness to it, but the focus was really to give me the experiment of an acting beast. Um, so, at the risk, I guess, of you know, 
perhaps, I doubt this, but perhaps offending people because of the datedness of it. And why, why present this play today um, in, in the environment that we live in with trans? Um, I, just, I truly don't think that's going to be an issue. But uh, um, and in, in the difference, I think, too, is that there was a, a rebelliousness back then around being a transvestite, a drag queen, a deeper rebelliousness, even being gay. We had a kind of an underbelly kind of uh, deviant energy to it. Now it's it's, it's passe today almost. Um, so that energy is not there in the play. That kind of like rebelliousness, I don't think is is needed. Um, I mean, as far as the atmosphere, the climate, the the culture at the time is is not our culture. Now that perhaps could give it a dated feeling, but because we're going at it with such a a focus on the relationship. I truly think that it's gonna that that will win out because that's universal. That's what people will see, and perhaps you know with the clothes we're wearing or some of the sets on stage, you'll see the '70s. But that's not that's not that important. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when is it happening? So we open on the 30th, <laughs> and ticket it's sold out on the opening night. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and then tickets are going fast, probably because they're free. But Congress is is the university sponsoring it, and Congress is going to be here, so that's a big deal. We're we're kind of weaving it into the, the events around Congress and it's going to be like the thing to do at night I guess the show to see and um, but the uh, theater at UBC there's a box office online thing that you, just, you book your tickets there and they're free so like just go at it and book them uh, if you want and uh, that's the cl- it closes on December uh, <laughs> December yikes June 8th <laughs> June 8th is when we close so it's only a, a nine performance run but yeah at the Dorothy Summer Center on campus Awesome. Mm-hmm. Very excited. I'm very excited. It's today was a good rehearsal. If you talked to me yesterday, not so much. <laughs> yesterday I was like freaking out. But, uh, but no, it was great today and, and, and I'm, I am very excited. So it starts on Saturday mm-hmm. and it goes on for nine shows. Starts on the Saturday. No, I think it's the fr- the 30th. Is oh, the 30th. Sorry. I, I heard the 25th. The oh, the thir- th- when is the 30th? What date is that? I think the it's a Friday. The 30th is next, next week. Fr- ah, we open next week. <laughs> Oh my God! We open next Thursday, so a week from tomorrow. Next oh Thursday. my God! <laughs> the realization that dates are yeah. a thing. <laughs> I gotta get my makeup right. But the sets, the sets in place tomorrow. We're gonna do some lighting. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, it should be an amazing show. Thanks, I'm Dora. very excited to see it. Thanks for coming. Thanks for. I mean, <laughs> thanks for coming. In the fu- That's a future <laughs> thanks. But thanks for having me here too. Yeah. Thank you for coming no in and sharing some of your time with us. Um, so right now I'm going to play a few ads and PSAs and coming up in the next section of the show, we're going to have another interview with Warren Dean Flandes. Um, okay, see you guys soon. You live Vancouver has a housing problem. Mass evictions. Master evictions. Unfair rent increases. What happened to rent control and protection from unfair eviction? If these or other housing matters concern you, you may be interested in joining the Vancouver Tenants Union. For more information, visit tenantsunion.ca. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca.
And we're back. Hi, everyone. Hope you like those ads and PSAs. Um, very excited. And right now we're going to talk about the Good Noise Vancouver Gospel Choir. And Warren Dean Flan is this here with us. Yes. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. And so do you want to talk to us a little bit more, introduce the what the, exactly is the Good Noise Gospel Choir and what is your role as a guest? So I am one of the featured artists for the Good Noise uh, Gospel Choir. They are an amazing group of 85 individuals, singers that um, are bringing, you know, soul and gospel music to the Lower Mainland. And um, myself and Don Pemberton are the special guests. And this is the return of soul gospel, too. So this is there were three shows. The first one was with Don Pemberton. The second one was with uh, myself. And then now we've kind of teamed up together and we are going to do, um, yeah, the return of soul gospel, too. Awesome. Yeah. And so I'm actually really curious because gospel music, um, in my experience, is mm -hmm. either very much very beautiful and I want to listen to it mm -hmm. or a little bit too religious. Right. And so where do you think is there balance in there? I can't speak for other artists of a faith-based nature, but with my music, I really felt that I wanted it to live on all platforms and I didn't really want it to segregate or discriminate um, against people who maybe don't connect with uh, you know the message that it was written or intended to be so I I'm I'm pretty um, I'm pretty sensitive to the fact that you know not everyone might uh, not believe um, you know what the music was intended to be or where it, where it came from or anything like that but um with my music i really wanted to kind of put it out there and have you know anyone be able to listen to it and get something out of it good example i was on sirius xm um last year uh for the junos and uh the lady said you know warren i'm an atheist but i can't stop listening to your music and i think that was enough for me and um you know, it's it's more, if you look at it, it's actually more about songs about love and just uplifting and inspiring. So you can really take it however way you want to. Awesome. Yeah. And so this is your first time with a, with Good Noise. How has it been? Oh, I love Gail and <laughs> the group. They're so amazing. I mean, it really kind of gives me a sense of... Um, I don't know. It's almost like an outer body experience when they sing because of the just the tight blend, the harmonies and everyone in that. In that room has a story and I love finding out and meeting the different people. And, you know, you take everyone's triumphs and tribulations and hardships and, you know, and you kind of put them all in one room. And it kind of, you know, the music is medicine and your voice is where everything you've been through kind of resonates and you can hear it, you know? And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's magical. It's really special. Well, and do you usually sing solo or do you do partnerships like with Dawn and et cetera? I, I sing as a solo artist and I've been actually in the mainstream, uh, secular pop R and B soul world for many, many years. And I just recently did a couple gospel inspired albums 
And um, yeah, it was just something that I felt like I wanted to do for myself versus for a record label or management or anything like that. And yeah, it's a solo project. So you've always been into gospel or you're going gospel towards gospel right now? I grew up singing in the church, so it's just always been a big part of who I am. Um, and uh, it'll always feel like home when I sing that style of music. But I mean, gospel or not, like soul music is any music that you can feel. And um, that's what I'm really gravitating towards. That's what I really want to uh, do is connect with that music. Awesome. Yeah. So the thing is that I found interesting as I was reading the media release is that there's a song named Hosanna. Okay. And we were just talking about a play named Rosanna about uh, a drag queen. Okay. And now I'm curious, what is Rosanna in the religious context? Well, I mean, it comes from the religious context. And <laughs> I I could not tell you exactly. I, Hosanna is like, you know, the Savior is Christ, you know, like. But, um, yeah, the religious side of it, I don't know the history. I went to Catholic school my entire life, so... You know, <laughs> obviously did not pay attention that well, but yeah. yeah that's very, that's to me, sorry. It's yeah. just good connecting these two things that are so very different. It sounds really interesting, um, though, because like drag queen, Rosanna, and yeah. then the word Hosanna. I don't know if it's... It's the same word, too, same spelling and everything, oh, wow. which is why that I was very, um, I don't know, curious, just why yeah. would she choose her name for herself in the play? Well, maybe it's like the world? just to be empowered. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I've heard you were working with KJ Apa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. I was, yeah. Um, KJ, my buddy uh, Jamie Cuse, who is an amazing and talented producer, uh, was working on uh, some recording for Riverdale. And um, it was just like one of those things that, you know, everything kind of aligned and KJ was available. And Jamie just, you know, we were recording this song called Born for Greatness. And Jamie just called him up and, you know, all of a sudden, he was there and he laid down the track and man he's a super talented guy and with a really good heart and um it's just exciting to see everything that's happening for him um you know with his career and everything and yeah really happy for him cool yeah. and about the show about the the uh, the show that you're sorry that's right <laughs> so many things on my in my head right now but about good good noise mm -hmm. um what is your favorite part the, what you think is your favorite part, either that's going to happen or that you've already experienced? I I like the energy. It's the energy from the crowd, like the audience that is there, and then also the energy from the choir. And one thing that I love about Good Noise shows is that they are filled with every age, every walk of life, every color, every, you, you name it. The, the diversity in that room is incredible, and that's what I like to see. You know, because we're all human and just to be together and, you know, just coexisting in and, and sharing our passion and love for music is it's it's a gift. It's it's amazing. So this is the 15th anniversary. It is. Um, I haven't known them for 15 years, <laughs> but <laughs> that's very exciting. Um, it's called the return of the of soul gospel. Yes, is that part of the reason that they chose you to be guest the guest? I think so. Um, I'm really glad that you know I'm 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 flattered. I'm honored. I'm humbled that they chose me and and you know to be beside 
you know, to sing alongside them and Don Pemberton. I've known Don for years, and she is Vancouver's Queen of Soul, and you know, arguably Canada's Queen of Soul. So, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm so uh, the thing is, like, usually I don't listen to gospel music, but this mm. is one of the sh- few shows that actually piqued my interest because I don't. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> well, I don't but think you, that, the yeah. general idea of like mm-hmm. there is something here that is more than just I'm going to hear this religious voice. You know right. what I mean? Well, I think that a lot of people would say the same thing, but they don't realize that when they're listening to Chance the Rapper or Kanye or Jay-Z or, you know, any one of these, you know, sexual healing was actually a gospel song before it, it was actually called spiritual healing, and it was changed by Marvin Gaye to sexual healing, uh, you know, for the for the mainstream world. So, I think regardless of um, the religious aspect of it, I think the sound of gospel resonates in everything from country to electronic music these days. You never know uh, where you know the original. Um, lift or or riff came from. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, very excited. So the return of gospel is happening on May 25. Yeah. So this Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, time is going by so fast. I can't yeah. believe we're already in the end of May. Like there are people in my neighborhood that still have their Christmas lights up and everything all the time. I'm thinking they they are just gonna leave it there. Like it's close. Uh, it's so close to, to why not? I love December. the look of Christmas lights. <laughs> I think it's great. So it's happening at 3 p.m. and at 8 p.m. at the Christ Church Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Um, are you and you're there for both the times? I'm there. Yes, three and eight. Three and yeah, eight. I'm actually flying in in the morning. So yeah, I'll be there. Cool. Um, do you want to like? What are, how would you describe the show to anyone that might still be thinking, maybe this is not for me? Um, I think just come with an open mind. It's not preachy at all. I think the, I think that there is a negative connotation associated with, um, Christian music in general. I actually find that gospel music, like if you say gospel, people are a little bit more open to it. Um, yeah, I don't, there isn't really like a heavy, uh, message no one's going to try and convert you it's really people are just there for the love of the music and it's so um, uplifting and if you're going through something I think it's really just it's great to be a, you know kind of you know counseled by the and comforted by the music yeah it sounds like a lovely show the choir seems amazing I'm guessing they're very um you know in tune and together i don't know yeah. i love choirs i think choirs oh, are awesome. beautiful <laughs> and that's having great. it being this opportunity to be a guest must be wonderful as well oh it's amazing i've sung with a lot of choirs in my time and uh this is one of my favorites for sure awesome thank you so much for coming thank you for having me and we're really glad to have something different on the show every once in a while like we usually don't talk about religious things in general yeah. but again this it's not about preaching. This is about no. feeling, you know? Absolutely. And art I is agree. about feeling. I agree with that. I think that no matter what religion you are, if you even have one, um, it doesn't matter. I think that this is for the love of music. And I think we can all agree that that is the universal language. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so right now, uh, I'm going to do, we're going to do a little review 
of the show that's going on at MOA right now. Well, the exhibit that's going on at MOA right now called String... Oh my god, I forgot the name. <laughs> um, oh, Shadow Strings and other things. That's why I forget the name because I messed up the name. But anyway, Shadow Strings and other things happening right now at MOA. Um, it is a puppet exhibition, which is interesting enough as it is. I had the chance to actually go there twice. And my first impression of the space is that um, the Odin Gallery, which is the space that they used and transformed, and that's usually where MOA has the different exhibitions where um, last, last year, last term, we reviewed the Mapping the Infinite with Abor Aboriginal artists. But with shadow strings and other things, it's very interesting how puppets and these different ways of storytelling come to life and how they're portrayed in the space uh, in a way that make them seem alive, although no one's actually using them. It's a beautiful, beautiful exhibit. Um, I do recommend going if you have a chance to go to MOA. MOA in itself is an amazing museum, amazing ar architecture and everything to it. But this show has caught my attention because it takes on from so many different countries, including European countries, because MOA usually and anthropology museums usually don't focus on um, European traditions or artifacts in general. But this one does because it shows that um, puppetry and string marionettes and etc., they are part of so many different cultures and there is something about that that is just so human and it shows that there is just this thing that connects all of us. It's a way that we all storytell. We all like storytellings in a different way because oral story storytelling is one thing and obviously every culture has it. But puppetry is just so unique in the way that each different culture adapts it to their own needs, their own materials, their own ways of seeing the world. Even the characters are different. The, some cultures um, are focusing on epic heroes like the Portuguese, others like um, uh, several Indian traditions. They're more focused on the daily lives, the day-to-day. -day. Others are really about the gods and the creation of the universe and it's just so fascinating to see all these different styles all these different materials and to me my favorite um part actually I have two favorite parts my first favorite part is that this exhibit is quite interactive compared to several other exhibits in general in anthropology museums there are um it's a beautiful print on the wall where you can actually kind of become a marionette and a line shiny on another wall with a print showing how to do shadow puppets, which is super fun. And it does give a chance for everyone, even children, to enjoy themselves in this environment. Um, other than that, another thing that makes it interactive is that there are these glass cubes that allow you to see through the exhibit 
and they're just so interesting because you have so you get to see these different layers and they're so well thought out and this is truly an exhibit that caters to every age group anytime um i was so excited actually to walk in and the first my first impression walking in was oh this is a little creepy because dolls tend to have that effect on you but really understanding and reading about the stories and about how their the meticulous care that each one of those marionettes was made there are 320 mar- puppets in there and each one of them is unique completely unique to each other and they're just so beautiful and so craft carefully crafted um but that was all my favorite part my first favorite part my second favorite part was the visuality of it um and I want to say what an amazing design team because just the design of the words and was just beautiful and I was so entertained and intrigued about how everything was constructed in a way that on one side you could have the perfect show like how the stage show and on the other side have um have the backstage with the extra characters that are still that aren't there and this exhibit also features several vi- videos of the creation of these puppets, the performance, some of these performances, which are were to me so foreign. And I got to, you know, learn a little bit more about um, these things I didn't think about before or I wasn't necessarily curious about and now I want to learn more oh wait I remember what it what I actually really really wanted to talk about there is one series of puppets that is made of translucent leather the material is leather but they're shadow puppets and they have to be translucent and I could not wrap my head around the fact that leather could be so delicate um Again, this is an amazing exhibit. I truly recommend it's going to be on at MOA until October. So it's the summer exhibition. Um, Should be very fun. So now we're going to take a little PSA break. And after that, we're going to have a little chat with Katrina Bois from um, talking about the Swan Lake. Okay. Do you want to voice this one? Yes, I do. Okay. Do you want me to voice it? I can yeah, voice yeah. it. Yeah, please voice That's this one. That's the wrong mic. I forgot. You f- dip it. I can't believe I put up with this. And I asked for a grape soda, you asshole. Okay. Due to a labor dispute, CITR is missing its star voice actors. That means if you're interested in producing PSAs, advertisements, and various other promotional wonders for airplay on the radio, we need you. Learn how to get involved with CITR's production department and all other facets of volunteering at CITR and Discorder Magazine at CITR.ca. Programming, photography, media training, and more. Plus, you guest star in the lounge. No, wait, we, we can't promise that. Can't believe I put up with this. This band is really good, and I've been wanting to find out more about local music. Yeah, I heard about it through CITR and Discorder. What's that? Um, it's a radio station. You can review all the music that comes in and help out with touring bands or just do some data entry to get started in their music department. Oh, cool. Yeah, you can just email volunteer at citr.ca and they can help you get into the station or just come in whenever. Well, I'll be there, so... And hi guys, and we're back. 
and here in the studio with me, I have Kate Bua. And do you want to give us a little introduction? Sure. My name is Katrina Bois. I go by Katie, and I'm the artistic director of Coastal City Ballet here in Vancouver. And this season, we're going to be performing the ballet Swan Lake. So I'm here to chat with you about that. Awesome. And so Swan Lake, <laughs> it's a very, I love Swan Lake. It's honestly my mm-hmm. one of my favorite ballets. Um, and growing up, every time I wanted to just not think about something I just put it on and I watched the entire thing and my mom was like are you going to watch this one lake again I was like yes it's beautiful (laughs) (laughs) but it's also a very classic ballet Um, how is it still modern how is it still relevant I think because it's so classic it becomes relevant you know the old becomes the new it's uh, kind of timeless in the sense of some of the other ballets that may have been more modern at the time have actually gone away and people are not interested to see them but because Swan Lake has such a history because it's so old and because it's so famous there's still uh, so much interest to see it. Awesome and so there is a modern twist to it. Yes there is yeah. And so how is that what is that change what is that shift? Well I think uh, the original story is a fairy tale and the prince falls in love with a girl who has become a swan and um, the only way to break the spell and for her to become a princess is if, is if she declares true love if he declares true love uh, and uh, swears his love to her and in the third act he's in the palace and he's supposed to um, choose a bride and Rothbart who's the evil sorcerer who has uh, entrapped this girl as a swan brings his daughter dressed as the black swan um, to trick the prince and it works and he swears his love to the wrong girl and that in reality is is beyond a fairy tale (laughs) like really like really he can't tell that it's this different girl like really he can't tell that it's this or that so the that the idea that the choreographer had for this version of the ballet is that actually Odette and Odile are two different girls and the they kind of symbolize marriage for value and like not value I'm sorry that's probably not the right word it's marriage for status and power and money or marriage for love and so Odette Odette is the symbol of love and purity and fragility and Odile who you meet in the first act is a completely different character but she's trying to have an arranged marriage with this person that has money in that kind of sense it's much more realistic of a plot twist people can relate to it much more than the fairy tale fall in love with one swan and mistake it for the other (laughs) (laughs) that's very interesting yeah i never thought about shifting that dynamics because i grew up with it in my head i was like yeah that's totally feasible (laughs) that's totally real that's something that everyone should do (laughs) fall in love with a swan but yeah once you put it like that it does make a lot more sense to see it in that light um but where does a white swan come in then if Odile is... The white swan... So in the second act and fourth act are very true to the classic 100 years ago. Um, even longer than that now. We're actually in 2019, so it's even more than 100 years ago. Um, they're very true to the original choreography. But what they are is the prince has actually dreamt them. Mm. He dreams of what true love should be like. He dreams of what um, 
falling in love with a person instantly and that need to to somehow complete each other and how that should feel like and that's what he wants in his life and that is the the white swan he sees the swans as he's out in the forest and then he falls asleep and so it's kind of like he dreams up this whole idea so he dreams up the second act and the fourth act interesting and this is your first season leading the company it is yes how has that been it's been a challenge but in a good way like in the sense of i've been with the company since it was founded in 2011 and i first started just on the artistic staff and i made my way up to i was rehearsal director for many years um but i think as rehearsal director you kind of get put in charge of staging a ballet or setting a ballet and then making the dancers bring that to life but as artistic director and leading the company is like you're not just responsible for one production or, or anything. You're responsible for the entire company and how, how where it's going and what its direction is and making sure that it all runs kind of smoothly. And it's had um, it's had its challenges, but not in a bad way. Just su- just something that just something new that I've never had to deal with before. Interesting. And are there were there any challenges you didn't expect? I think all of them I didn't <laughs> expect, but uh, they're the smallest little things that ended up being like the most challenging, like just like front of house questions, for instance, from the theater, like the, those would get those would come to me for a final decision. But it would be at the same time that I was trying to rehearse the dancers on stage. And so there was just that little bit of a um, scheduling kind of conflict or things that I didn't think about in advance that I was like, oh, I could have had someone that could have taken care of this and I and I didn't really even think that I needed to do that and so I learned from that on our first production and then I have made adjustments throughout the season. Interesting and about Coastal City Ballet what should we expect from them in the future? I hope big things right? <laughs> like, I mean are we just had our first performance this past weekend and it was completely sold out Ooh, which is a exciting. very good sign <laughs> yeah it means that it kind of gives us a little bit of hope that we're we're on the right track like that in the sense of we present full length story ballets every year every season and they're doing quite well so the audiences in Vancouver would like to see them. We don't have any of the big companies in Canada that come out in the West to show them at, like big full lengths anymore. And there are lots of opportunities to see Nutcracker every season, but there's not uh, that much more that much opportunity other than that. So hopefully we're giving the audiences of Vancouver something that they are looking forward to, and we hope to be able to do it more and more. More performances and more ability to do it is, is what you should be expecting to see. And is the, soda, is the next Swan Lake on... When is it? Oh, May. The June 15th June is 15th. the next performance. Is it sold out? It is not yet okay. sold out. So there is still, <laughs> um, there are still tickets. It's a much larger venue. It's a, a thousand and fifty-five seats, oh, I think, wow. in the in the Bell Performing Arts Center. We have not performed there yet, um, ever in our history. So this will be the first time to try a bigger venue like that. Uh, it it's doing quite well the sales, um, but there are still tickets available. Is there a reason that you decided to do the second performance in Surrey instead of in Vancouver? Part of it is uh, there's a lot of things that come into play. One is trying to trying to um, uh, like provide dance to a broader audience, and so some people who come who live out in the valley or in that area they'd be more likely to go to Surrey than they would be able to go to downtown Vancouver. That's part of it. The second part is um, theaters. They're very difficult to um, obtain and very difficult to get like dates that work well. So um, a lot of it has to do with theaters. 
and being able to do that. But we really like the Playhouse and we really like performing downtown. So that's where we would prefer to be for Vancouver. And, and our original idea was to just try to provide dance to a broader audience. Awesome. And do you think you're accomplishing that? Like, I think so. We've performed in the past at the Surrey Arts Centre, which is a smaller theatre, but it has also sold out. I mean, I know there's people who like the experience of going downtown to see a show. So they might live in Surrey and they might still buy tickets to go downtown. And those people will do that whether we have a show in Surrey or whether we don't because that's the experience that they want. But there's a lot of people that don't have that ability and then they come to our Surrey show. It's very close to them or it's still a commute for them to get to Surrey, but it's not not quite as bad as going downtown. Interesting. And what should we expect with Swan Lake, this different well not expect I guess I guess already ha- one of them already happened mm-hmm. but what should people that haven't seen it yet bring into or like think about before coming in well you'll it's the ballet to see if you love ballet and it's the ballet to see if you have never seen ballet Ooh, because it's the most famous <laughs> ballet and so it has kind of it has the classic second act and fourth act, which is what made it very famous, all the swans. And then it has the first act and third act, which are very entertaining. Even if you don't like dance, you can actually <laughs> be entertained by them and play with the different like princesses from Poland and from Italy and from Spain. And um, at the same time, have a storyline that maybe is more relatable and more able to follow. A lot of people don't know like dance mime. It's almost has its own kind of its own kind of syllabus and its own kind of repertoire, which it's very hard to understand. So in some of those classic ones, they're like like the tears are coming down. The girl's like showing tears with her eyes and the lake is made of her tears. And the <laughs> prince is like two hands go above the head and like for, trying to form this crown and then pointing to the fingers getting married. And so a lot of people that don't know dance don't even understand the storyline. And that will happen a little bit of course <laughs> because it's dance and it's not uh, verbal m- uh, yes exactly <laughs> but but it's much more easy to follow it's so you think that this way of bringing it to the audience as making it modern um is more accessible within the symbols of the plot yes That's okay yeah okay that's interesting yeah yeah like even I, I can only say from personal experience but even growing up like i've always loved the ballets but if i wouldn't if I didn't read about the plot before going into the show I'd be like um what is going on here that's very true I (laughs) I've heard from some different people in the audience some people are like I have to read the syllabus before I mean the synopsis before the ballet starts like that's the first thing I look at in the program and someone else says no I read it after I want to see what I feel like I think and then I go back and read it after and I'm like oh that actually meant that or it's kind of interesting to talk to different people how some definitely have to read it before so then they can follow along and others leave it and read it at the end. And is Coastal City Ballet having any more shows besides Swan Lake? Yes, we have Sleeping Beauty Suite Ooh. on June 7th, also in Surrey, but at the Surrey Arts Center. So we have both a Sleeping Beauty and a Swan Lake. And yeah, it's not the complete Sleeping Beauty. Um, that ballet is very long it's even longer than swan lake and we've shortened our swan lake so it is a a doable show the original was like three hours i think and ours is two hours (laughs) with intermission so it's a little bit more doable sleeping beauty was much longer but we're doing um excerpts like the most famous sections of the ballet we're putting together in what we call sleeping beauty suite on june 7th interesting cool 
Awesome. So the next show for Swan Lake yes. is happening at the Bell Performing Arts Center on June 15th. And what time? 7.30? 7.30 so start time, yes. Yeah, awesome. And that is show is, runs for about two hours. Yes. So it's not super tiring. It's something that's very much... It's doable. It's very doable. Yeah. I mean, theater, any play that you go watch is about that long. So mm-hmm. I think people should go and watch dance because dance <laughs> is amazing. <Yeah. laughs> and I agree. Uh, there's no reason to not watch dance. Even if you don't like ballet, go watch The Swan Lake because it's the one ballet that's always worth your time seeing to see in your lifetime that's yeah. that's a good way to say it yeah yeah <laughs> awesome thank you so much for coming in thank you for having me um right now i'm gonna do a few shout outs um that are coming up so the chance center is having just posted their uh, 2019 2020 series go check that out there's so many good things that are coming up and again don't forget the good noise vancouver gospel choir seasons finale is coming up uh next week And uh, that's about it for the show today. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. I am Lua. And I'm Katie. (laughs) And see you in two weeks from now because during the summer we are only having bi-weekly shows. Bye, everyone. And... The name of the song is... Call it a moose. Well, I listen to the older folks, to what they have to say. And I listen to the waterfall, begging for another day. And I listen to an eagle cry, dying high in the sky. And I listen to the call of the moose, and she lays down to die. Don't you know, we gotta let him be. Don't you know, can't you see? And I listen to the man of the law, I listen to his way. And I listen to a crack of a gun, and I'm the one that had to pay. And I listen to the Ojibwe chant and to the drumming of the Cree. And I listen to the cry of the people dying of mercury. Don't you know we gotta let them be? Don't you know? Can't you see? Don't you know we gotta let them be? Let them be. And I listen to a whippoorwill. Crickets are all in tune And I listen to a dying tree And to the whistling of a loon And I listen to a howling wolf Echo throughout the night And I listen to a bark of a seal And he's just a bloody sight Don't you know 